Welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. My name is Andy Wolf. I'm here with my host, Ryan and Glenn, and uh, we are three ordinary pastors from different generations comparing notes about life and ministry. And uh, we always start off our podcast with a question that highlights who we are and uh, maybe some of our generational differences. And so, guys, I'm interested today in uh, one famous or important or powerful person that you have met uh, in your life. Uh, Maybe it's somebody that uh, was a sports figure or a political figure, but uh, tell me somebody that you have met. Maybe it's not uh, not somebody that everybody knows, but uh, who who have you guys met or, or interacted with along the way? I can go first. Please. Okay. Yeah. So this one is a little bit out of the blue, and um, I, I probably will have to explain to Ryan who this is. But uh, when <laughs> when my uh, uh, my grandfather actually was a locksmith for a little bit of time, and he had a lock shop on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. If you know a little bit about Hollywood history, that corner was a very famous corner for movie stars and people to show up. And so he got lock calls all the time to go up into the Hollywood Hills. And so one day I was actually with him and I ended up visiting the home of Yule Brenner. Um, and I see Glenn shaking his head. Uh, Ryan ha- probably has no idea who that is. I know the name. I don't know who I, I, I know the name. That's all and I, I know. And I'm shaking my bald head. Yes. And so he was actually most famous uh, for playing the King and I. Um, he, he was, uh, played in Broadway and then ended up in a show. I'm sure he was in other things, Um, but he was the king and the king and I for a really long time. And um, it was really kind of funny. I didn't really know who he was, got introduced to him. We fixed his lock on his door. I was probably there for an hour or so. Um, His house was very, uh, had a bunch of pillows. It had, had levels. If you ever remember that Seinfeld episode with the guy with the levels versus the, um, (laughs) versus the furniture, his house had levels with pillows. Um, and so just, a just a kind of funny interaction. Um, and then actually, uh, a year or so later ended up actually seeing him in the King and I in Broadway. So uh, that, that, that's one of my famous, uh, funny and odd interactions. Your, your, your Hollywood reference reminded me of the, uh, the terms A-listers, B-listers and so forth. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm trying to find some D-listers that I... <laughs> That I might have met. I mean, it is just so out of my uh, experience. But uh, also from Southern California, uh, I probably the person that I have met that has meant the most to me, especially in my early years, was Bill and Vanette Bright, the founders of Campus Crusade for Christ, or as we know, mm-hmm. Crew today. Mm-hmm. And so just their journey of, of faith and their strategic uh, strategy of wanting to reach the next generation and going to the college students and largely impacted my life as well back then. So having uh, met them and been around them a little bit was uh, definitely impactful and, uh, and a good memory. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't have a good answer. Um, uh, I think I'm going to go with the person that I have seen the most recent. I got to see Sean Johnson, who was the Olympic gymnast uh, this weekend. I was uh, at a at a local uh, CrossFit competition, and she was there as well. Um, so got to uh, see her for a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, that's, I think that's the, but you live in Nashville. Don't you like walk into a coffee I mean, shop and there's a bunch yeah, of, I mean, like, I've, stars seen, that are, like, I've seen Kenny you know? Chesney. Like I've stood like I've stood in line behind Keith Urban. I've seen Kenny Chesney. Uh, like I've seen some pro baseball players. Like there's that, but it's, uh, yeah, it's she, that was the first one that came to mind. All right. Well, the reason I bring that up is uh, we want to talk a little bit about the nature of power and influence. And when we talk about, uh, you know, stars, we think about people that have power and influence, and then we relate that to our our experience in the church. It's often something that we don't really think about, we don't really talk about. And yet it's a reality um, for people that are in any size church uh, that the, the leaders and the the uh, whether they're famous or not have some level of power and authority um obviously when you guys think about that what i mean do you guys think of an idea of power and authority in, in a church as a positive or as a negative yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both got that one together uh, uh yes what comes to my mind is a, is a is a phrase that i've heard in the past, that the hidden power behind leadership is influence, hmm. and uh, and of course, that can be used for good or for ill, and we see it played out, you know, every day. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think with with the answer of yes, of both positive and a, a negative, is does somebody understand the power that they have, and are they using it appropriately? Um, I think there are people that don't understand the power that they have and therefore they don't understand the wrecking ball that they are and the trauma that they can leave. And then there's others that don't understand the power that they have and therefore don't use it appropriately to um, serve those under their, their charge. And maybe they don't uh, pick up the power and, and, and use it. So uh, it is one of those things that I, I, I think there are some that want to, in a church setting, assume that there is no power and that everyone is on equal footing and playing field. Um, and yet as much as I would love that to be true, I think it's impossible. So the, when you're talking about power and influence, it's not, um, if it's there, but uh, where is it and how is it being used and how is it being safeguarded, um, and protected? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess let's start a little bit the conversation from the negative side, because I think more people are probably familiar and acutely aware of some of those difficulties, even recent stories and podcasts of of pastors and leaders that abused power um, and, uh, and, you know, kind of came into a a set of influence that they used to, uh, you know, do nefarious and, and even um, immoral things. Uh, when you guys think of a of power within a church, how do you let's start with how do you safeguard that? Um, maybe it's the elders, maybe it's the the pastor, maybe it's even a, a influential person or family within a church. Um, all of those can have some level of power. How might you or, or how have you um, in your leadership safeguarded that? I've tried to actively um, identify and speak openly about those uh, places of power, um, whether it's a whether it's a family that's a large giver in the church, whether it's um, an elder 
that can have a um maybe a an, an a domineering personality or maybe they don't recognize that they have a, a domineering personality whether it's a staff member that can have a perspective whether it's the senior pastor obviously there's a there's a lot of power and influence just in, in the position of senior pastor or lead pastor and recognizing that and then speaking openly about um uh, using that position wisely um because like let's just take the 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 a, a space of power where it's a congregant member that is one of the larger givers in a church and so they have a percentage of their you know a percentage of the church budget is is their giving they could very easily start to um you know use that to wield it over the head of the pastor and the elders if you don't do what i want to do um we're gonna leave uh, you know, in, in my case, I just kind of openly put that out there where it's this, it, it it's this uh, somewhat, I say public between the elders and the, and, and the congregant member of, Hey, we, we recognize, um, that you might have this power and, oh, by the way, we're not going to allow that to influence us. And so just kind of putting out the, almost putting out that fire before it started of, we're not going to be controlled by that. So just for all intents and purposes, let's not use that. Um, and that's been helpful just to create spaces where um, those things don't go unchecked and it's not the assumed power it's it's or it's not the um, the unspoken um, power and influence, but it's 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 the almost recognized and it's just it's created then um, an easier playing field for our, for all parties involved. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important to in in the midst of a church, right? because we we tend to think, um, well, we'll all that we're not going to have these conversations about power. Um, I, we, I was in a recent uh, leadership meeting, and we kind of started talking about some of these things. And it was interesting to see just even the reactions of different leaders um, within the in the context of the conversation. You know, one of them even said, "You know, well, this is more of a business conversation," um, and kind of thinking about things as a business. And I thought, well, not really, um, because every organization leaders are going to have some level of power. It becomes really the question of how we, you know, use or use that influence. Um, But if we don't talk about it, then it's still going to be there, but we're not really, really Mm -hmm. dealing with it. And so I think being honest, open um, and and having those conversations is a good thing. Glenn, you were going to say something. Yeah. Well, that's really important. What both of you guys have just been saying. And I think just the various checks and balances that we can put in place um, are important. Uh, in our, uh, in the churches that I've been a part of, uh, there are, uh, there are the various checks and balances. You have a, a you have a pastor that has influence and, and power to the degree of its, of its uh, constitution and bylaws. So what, what are the written uh, expectations that uh, that leadership has and that they have to abide by or that they're free to be able to to give lead to. Uh, then you have the elder board uh, as a group, not as a, as a single individual, but as a group, they have uh, a power that to make decisions and, and to lead to the degree, again, of, of the bylaws or the Constitution. And then uh, you have the congregation that have certain things that are that are given to them that they can they have authority to be able to speak on. So each of those is just kind of being recognized as having a part of influence and authority uh, in the local church, and they need to work together. There's not just one entity that can run the whole 
uh, the whole organization. So I think that's important to have when it comes to being able to, uh, uh, to measure uh, the authority and power that's taken place. Yeah, I mean, those discussions of constitutions and ecclesiology in a lot of ways can be ignored or boring uh, conversations, but they become extremely important conversations, exactly. especially in the moments where there's difficulty and conflict um, to, to resolve and to really kind of figure out how, how do you come through some of those difficulties. Um, so let's, let's switch it for a second and go over to the positive side. Um, how do you guys think of power or if we want to talk about it in terms of influence um, from the positive side, where, where have you guys seen that um, done well in churches? I think when it's done well, it's a comforting addition to the congregation um, because there's so many unknowns in life and because unfortunately congregations can go through some pretty um, tumultuous times when a pastor or an elder or an influential individual in the congregation steps up and and speaks and they they recognize the influence that's behind their voice it can be a con- it can have a calming effect and even and and I think it's it's at all different levels I think at a at the church level um the pastor does that where you, you can just you can hear whenever there's a pastoral transition, good or bad, but oftentimes in the in, in in the in the poor transitions, when that pastor steps away, the congregation's so used to hearing their voice that when somebody else steps up and, and begins to lead, there's this automatic fear of hang on, I don't I'm not used to that voice. Uh, but at the same time, I know individually, there are individuals in my life as a as the senior pastor here that I have gone to them privately. And just asked, what are your thoughts on this? And what do you think about this direction? What do you think about this decision? What do you think about this thing? And and their affirmation, um, quiet affirmation, just, just between them and I, uh, build safety in my own heart and life because their influence of, hey, that's that was the right call there. You're not crazy for thinking that. You're not like whatever, fill in the blank. So that person might not even realize the, the influence and the power that, that they have um, because it wasn't a public comment but it was a private comment so i think everyone has um i think in church you can see positive or power being used positively in so many instances uh but uh, the most important thing is to recognize um that our our speech matters and our speech can change people's hearts and lives um and it can it can we can use our tongues for good and we can use our tongues for evil well, and I think that points to kind of, uh, you can say a different, different kinds of power, you know, I would say positional power mm-hmm. versus influential power, um, where somebody has, might have opportunity or, or power because they're been appointed to a certain position, but then somebody else might have a, a level of influence or a level of power just because of who they are or the, the, um, their gifts or their their mm-hmm. calling or their um, even their longevity at times can be uh, can be a place for that. Glenn, like, I'm, I'm, think? like I'm thinking of my of my wife as a pastor's wife. She automatically like there's a there's an influence and a power there that whether she likes it or not and she'd rather it not be there. She has and I know for all of our all, all of our wives, 
they have because you know she's the first she's the person i'm going to trust the most if i walk home you know if i come home after a, a sunday sermon and she goes hey honey i love you but that stunk <laughs> you know there's she's she has that she has that place where somebody else it's they're not i'm not sharing a life with them um and so that you know that position of pastor's wife automatically has you know a, a level of power to it glenn sorry i i know just like you said behind every successful person behind every powerful person uh there is someone that is influencing them and, and helping them to get there you know i'm really i'm as we're speaking here i'm i'm trying to put together a metaphor of a stream and i think when i think of influence i think of a flow of something flowing that flows into the the stream and and either it's going to give life or it's going to take life away and we want to uh, obviously allow those streams of influence into our congregations whether it's played out by uh, something as specific as bylaws or as um um, or just a, a, the, a member sitting in the pew that, that offers a suggestion in the suggestion box. Um, there are different, there, as different people have access to that stream and that flow builds, uh, you, you want to believe that that stream is then growing in its influence or in its ability to give life downstream to wherever it goes. On the other hand, uh, also what can enter into that stream are those bad influencers or those, uh, those things that are going to uh, uh, bring some death uh, to those down and the ability then of that, of that leadership that does have the proper power to be able to divert that, that influence and just being aware of that uh, as leaders. So um, I like what you said earlier, Andy, whether you realize it or not, there are powers, influencers at play uh, for good or for ill or, or whatever and the more that we can become aware of that and be able to manage that, uh, the better we'll all be. And again, Ryan, what you said, I think it's a comfort to when you, when, when, when there's good leadership and when that leadership is being influenced by the right, by the right things, um, there's amazing life that can come to that body and to that organization. Uh, we've, we've seen both examples. I guess one other thing I'd be interested in hearing from you guys on is uh, when I think about this conversation and I kind of, I mentioned to it or alluded to it earlier is that the, the, the length or the longevity of something uh, of someone in a position, I think lends to the nature of their influence or their authority. Um, and, you know, I guess going back to your, your analogy of the stream, Glenn, you know, the, the stream that's been there forever and ever that's cut the Canyon, um, you know, has, has done so much for so long. Um, how do you guys think about that? I mean, I, I, I see that a little bit differently, um, from being a pastor that's been in the same place in the same position for almost two decades now. Um, I have a very different voice authority than I had being here two years or even five years. Um, and how do you, how do you guys think about that? And, and how should we encourage leaders with that? I, I think it can be, it seems that there's obviously a benefit to being in one place a long time. And um, the, the well-worn paths 
that that longevity creates where that stream has been constantly cutting through that same um that same ground but i also wonder when it becomes when it tips from being a positive to a negative or when there are um concern when you just have to almost safeguard it safeguard stuff it's can can somebody's influence become so great that um the influence of others are completely completely diminished and i'm thinking even in, in a church setting it's uh you know there's a reason why so many churches fail when the founding pastor uh, moves on or dies because the church was built on their shoulders and you then question you have to question it was that power and influence healthy and I, and at one point i would say absolutely and then at another point i'd say maybe not so much um isn't it that so you I, always want to be the the second guy that comes after that guy not the not the uh, first guy yeah the yeah the the third guy in total the yes third, yeah <laughs> the, the 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 sacrificial lamb guy is never never good yeah, i think there's just a I would like to think I'm in a similar situation as you are that, that as deep as um, our influence goes, um, it is not the, uh, the depth of water level that is what's important for us, but maybe the, the number of tributaries that we can help carve mm -hmm. out along the way. And, uh, um, and just create a, just a wonderful delta of influence, uh, so to speak, than just just the one. Uh, the goal is not in the uh, filling up the canyon, uh, but in having but in having those tributaries that, that spring out and can go much further. So, yeah, that would be my hope and desire to try to create that. Well, and it's it, Jesus speaks directly to that in some way, doesn't he? Uh, of the whole idea is. The, he looks at his disciples and he says the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of earth where people lord that authority over each other. Um, and so we would hope and we would pray that we would be following our Savior, serving those, loving those, caring for those um, that are in you know, our influence and in our circle of authority. And yet at the same time, we still remain a servant under the great, um, the great servant and the great shepherd. And, uh, and hopefully we see ourselves and continue to function that way. Well, any parting words, guys? Just the thing that keeps coming to mind, Andy, it's, this is, a, it resonated with what you just said of, I think when we're dealing with power and influence in the church, people can come in from, um, and I see this a lot with elders come in from the business world and assume power looks one way. Mm. And um, recently I was, uh, I was reading this book by Robert Chapin. It's Kingdom, Grace, and Glory, and it's talking about power. And it's, and it's comparing um, – he, uh, he creates these terms where I first read them here. It's right-handed power versus left-handed power. And right-handed power is that consistent power that if, if we're going to accomplish something, we're going to overwhelm it by force. And it's just this you know, sh sheer exertion of our power. But Christ doesn't operate that way, and the church doesn't operate that way. He operates through left-handed power. Left-handed power looks like weakness. Left-handed power is um, that we're saved through sacrifice of a savior. And it's, you know, the, the, the strong say that it's weak and the wise say that it's foolish. And it's this power that is completely opposed to everything in the world. And yet it's the most powerful thing because it's, it's grace and forgiveness in Christ. 
And so I think that's in it, in especially in the church setting, we can adopt, um, uh, in it wrongly, a, a system from the world that power looks one way, influence looks one way. And yet, um, what we're called to as the church and as believers is to even at times lead with what looks like weakness and influence what, with what looks like, uh, I want to say indifference, but just somebody's going to say, no, do, do it, do it another way. Um, and yet Christ came and we, we see very clearly Peter saying, hang on, wait a second. Why, why is your pathway for salvation not kicking Rome in the teeth and taking over the throne? Why is it a death? Um, and I do think the struggle that we can have and that pastors have, elders have, churches have, people have, is that we so much want to, um, exert our power and influence over people wrongly. And instead of having, um, to use another theological term, instead of having a theology of glory, we're called to have a theology of the cross and suffering. Mm. Um, and that is just that for, I, I know for myself as a, as a, as a man, that's hard to muster because it's like, I, I just want to do it. I want to force it. Um, and yet Christ calls us to something different and the glory of the crosses. It's, it's the best weakness is better than strength. Mm. and quote unquote foolishness from the world's perspective is better than the world's wisdom. Um, cause it's only through those perspectives that we actually have hope. And in the book of Romans, uh, Paul as well <clears throat> in writing, I think it was maybe chapter 13 or so says on the contrary. Mm-hmm. And, and that was Jesus. That was, he says on the contrary, here's how to look at this issue or that issue versus how, what we would normally look to. And Andy, what I've been thinking too, as we've been having this discussion is who am I giving influence or power over in my life? Mm-hmm. Uh, who am I listening to? Who am I reading? Who am I observing? Uh, and I hope it's more and more uh, the word and the gospels and so forth and the epistles and, and learning how to lead as Christ would want me to lead. But that's a challenge today uh, when we have so many voices coming at us. Well, guys, this has been a great uh, discussion on uh, on power and specifically power in the church. Thanks for engaging with it a little bit. And I uh, hope you as listeners have been encouraged to kind of think about what power and influence you might have in the places that God's put you and, uh, and struggle through how you might use uh, those gifts and opportunities that God's given you to further uh, not your own desires, but uh, God's and kingdom desires. And I hope that we've been maybe a small part in helping you think through that. Thanks again for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast and I hope that you will join us again. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.